Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is Cues of the Force, Quantums of the Force. No, it's Questions of the Force. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsack. I've got answers for the Quantums, the Questions, the Quantums, all of the <laughs> names, the Q names I'm making up, apparently. Uh, good stuff here today. This is going to be fun. Yeah, we got some really fun and really uh, different questions today. So we are eager to get to the cues so we can discover our own A's. We want to let you know, as always, that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Another A. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Very, very soon. We're talking about the book that we've been recommending for an extremely long time. That's Padawan yeah. by Kirsten White. So I decided why not go to my bookshelf, Ken, and see mm. what other books uh, we are due to read. So we are also recommending Path to Deceit by Tessa Grattan and Justina Ireland. It is the new, I'm abusing that word, the newish uh, adventure in the High Republic 
publishing initiative. So if you want to check out uh, Padawan or Path to Deceit, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. There are so many Qs and so many As, and we're up to another A, Ken, and that is our new segment called Ask. That's right. The ask. Boom, boom. Get some uh, Justin Hayward Moody Blues doing that theme song apparently in my head there. Uh, Yeah, we got a big ask. It's a big ask. We understand it's a big ask because, hey, YouTube isn't for everyone. uh, But we are building up our YouTube channel uh, after years of having it. Uh, I know a lot of people, you'd you'd always write us, hey, how about some more stuff on YouTube? Well, that is coming. We've been rebroadcasting podcast episodes and having the fun live Q&As. Uh, We are continuing to do that, but we're asking, hey, maybe would you consider heading over to our YouTube channel? Give us a subscription. Hit that sub button. Hit that bell so you get the notifications and never miss a Force Center video because more cool things are coming to the channel in 2023. And you can also take a look at the live Q&As maybe that you missed. Go back and check the in-memoriams or databank brawls or a fun way to check the old ones there. We got the great animated one from Brian Ward. It's on the channel as well. A lot is there for you now but more things are on the way. We are asking uh, your help to get to 7,000 subscribers. We're about 6,650 right now at the time of this recording. So uh, you guys have stepped up. Our numbers are growing. We really appreciate it. So that is our ask. Dun, dun. Yeah. And uh, we will have our live Q&A on YouTube uh, with some specific announcements about uh, what is coming. And that is uh, Friday, right? This uh, this Friday, December yeah. 17th. Did I do that right? No, I didn't. That's the wrong day. Friday, December 16th, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you can also watch it the next day. But join us live Friday, <laughs> December 16th, 4 p.m. I'm keeping track of too many things, Ken. Oh, man, you know, you and I are looking at our our calendar for 2023 and I have that mindset of that's next year. But next year is really two weeks away or so. So, yeah. Yes, we are like a blink away from heading to London for Star Wars Celebration. Lots of exciting things coming in 2023. But let's look at our excitement in the moment, the way Qui-Gon would want us to here. Now, uh, we have two questions from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. We go first to Twitter and Jonathan Steelflex. Mm. I write down the names and sometimes I don't fully take them in. Steelflex. That's great. Uh, Jonathan says, hey there all. Do you believe we will be seeing a live action creation of a lightsaber? I know we have seen Luke tinkering with his hilt in deleted scenes from Return of the Jedi and in the 2002 Clone Wars series as well as the Cartoon Network Disney Clone Wars. But what about live action? If so, where? This is a great question because I love lightsabers. I love lightsaber building. So I'm excited uh, to hear if you're excited, Ken, and where you think it might happen live action. I'm very excited. This is a great question, Jonathan Steelflex. I love a last name that could be a username online or could be an actual name. Steelflex. That's powerful. <laughs> uh, yeah. And when you stop and think about it, I'm truly surprised we haven't seen a live action cre- creation of a lightsaber yet. Um, you know, I get Mando. Maybe it's not necessarily the place. Maybe Grogu could have. Uh, maybe Grogu still can. But uh, I'm even including the movies in that uh, in this modern era. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also, by the way, I want to also I, I thought about this, too. I also kind of mean the prequels. <laughs> that comes to yeah. We didn't spend time with that. Clearly, George had some thoughts about it. Thus, uh, this is the stories that emerge in the Clone Wars a few years later. Uh, so that's a good thing. There. What's your thoughts on, on, on it not being in the prequels? 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting because it, I feel like there's so much world building that Lucas was was interested in, which is where Clone Wars, you know, comes from. Uh, that didn't make it in, but like the the sort of the lightsaber. Uh, there's so much in the prequels about lightsaber loss. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because the prequels are ultimately a tragedy that that mm. is focusing only on lightsaber loss and not lightsaber creation. Because, you know, we have Kenobi losing his first blade in yeah. The Phantom Menace. We have Kenobi making a big deal to Anakin about the weapon is your life and it, Anakin's first blade getting chopped in in half. But yeah, there's no and we'll go on a journey <laughs> or even really acknowledgement of you know, creation. So I think that I'm going to, I'm going to put that in the category of it's one of the things that builds tragedy, all loss, no creation in the prequels. That's a great, that's a great way to look at it there. Uh, as far as, so where I think it might happen, I mean, you got some, I guess, obvious answers here, you know, Ahsoka, maybe she already has blades, but there's an opportunity rebuilding, tinkering who else along her path might need a blade. That's the spot, but I'm interested in the acolyte, right? Because it's very interesting to see, mm. do dark side version of that we know about bleeding the blade now all that kind of stuff but you also have a character described as what a former padawan kind of returning to the fold whether that's the jedi order or not whether they left the jedi order or not i, I know there's different ways to take that description uh um and, and just kind of seeing maybe they have to rebuild one or fix the one they had or maybe they left one uh i love uh, those two spots as locations and, and maybe shows and movies that we have yet to even hear about or dream about. And, and what I love, though, is that uh, thanks to some of the animated shows that Jonathan's mentioned and, and, and more updated takes in the books and comics in this modern era, the building of a lightsaber has real added meaning for me as a fan. Um, you know, you very much understood from Return of the Jedi that Luke building his own meant a lot. In fact, we, we did that Force Center scene by scene of that great um, catwalk uh, conversation, Return of the Jedi, uh, it, deleted scene or not you know, you knew it was important. Um, and, but even as a kid, I don't know about you, Joseph, but I took it much more. And I know you, you've always been kind of keen about the Jedi and Jedi lore. And I was more interested about the stormtroopers falling off a of high places, I guess, but so maybe it's my journey. But, um, even as a kid, I took it much more, uh, that the trial and the importance of Luke building his lightsaber was that he knew how to shop for parts and make it work. <laughs> not the personality, not the things that kind of emerge later. Well, now the crystal, the kyber crystal means more to the story and to me now as a fan. And I have a better understanding of the individual nature of the process and the blade. So all that to say, I would love to see it explored in a show like The Acolyte. That's my choice, but we'll see where it's coming. And I think it will come. Yeah, I think it will come eventually because it it is so rich. Everything that's been mm -hmm. set up in the animated side and the publishing side from comics to books is so rich. And I think it's because of exactly what you're, you're talking about. It's all storytelling about who the character is. It's fun world building, right? But everything from finding your kyber during the era of, of Ilum being the, the mm -hmm. Jedi or other Force users' primary location and knowing there's... Now, with, even with Andor, like, what exactly is a sky kyber? How is that different? Is it different? Uh, but then learning the physical construction, getting the materials, going to, is this an era, you know, post uh, uh, the, the Galactic Civil War where, hey, Ilum's, Ilum's not a place to get lightsaber, get uh, kyber crystals these days. Where do you get them? Um, there's... And it's so much about testing the the character of, of who they are and then the bleeding of them and even the ritual that Vader is sort of sent on to find a, a kyber to take from a Jedi, you know. Mm -hmm. All the stories that we do have in, in animation and publishing are revealing of the character in the world. So that's what's so exciting about it. And yeah, I, I think um, I love that deleted scene. It lived uh, of yeah. Luke 
uh, the uh, I'm always amused because the captions uh, when he's just playing with it a little bit uh, say twittering. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so it looks like uh, Luke's kind of adjusting maybe the length of his lightsaber blade and and posting uh, a witty comment on <laughs> Star Wars social media at the same time maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I always love the lightsaber stuff like you're talking about when Vader when I first got to really absorb Vader saying you know. So you've constructed a new lightsaber, you know, your powers are complete. It was so cool. And I was so happy for Luke. And I kind of didn't get what it meant. (laughs) Like my dad was, you know, a a car guy and he could fix things and make things. So I I think I kind of took it as like, wow, you can build a bench. Right, right, right. <laughs> you finished woodshop class. You are powerful. <laughs> like that's the way I took it. And then as I got older, I was like, what is that about? And I remember somebody gave me the visual dictionary. I'm sure it's somewhere in the expanded universe uh, really? uh, books and that. But in that very first uh, visual dictionary, it shows the kyber crystal and says, you can only place the crystal in the, in the right place with the force. And I was just over the moon. It's like, that's it. <laughs> that's the answer to that Vader line that it is. It, it's not, you know, hey, nothing against great craft uh, personship of being able to build things. Right. 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 But that idea that it is something that takes focus and talent to do as, yeah. a, as a Jedi. It, it takes a relationship with the force to place mm-hmm. it, to bleed it to become one with it, to forge this, that there's something kind of uh, larger and mystical about it other than, wow, you found all the right metals and you put them together in the right order. Good job. Good job, you. You tinkered. I love that in 1983, you said you were really happy for Luke. Like, good job, Luke. (laughs) Dad has it. He might kill you with it, but good job. Well, he he does just get his everything handed to him in Empire Strikes Back. And I was just rooting for Luke. And you know, at the time, I was so young and I didn't understand how media worked. I'd fight with my brothers. Like, I think Luke's going to figure it out. I think he's going to become a Jedi. And my brother would be like, nah, he doesn't have what it takes. Like, <laughs> from an adult perspective, of course he's going to evolve. But we're just watching it like it's real life, you know? And, and you don't know if your friend's going to do good at kickball that day. In the same way, I was like, is, is Luke going to be a Jedi? I don't know. See, this is this is fa- this, this is fascinating because this is a separate conversation. Sorry, Jonathan. Never going to another side. <laughs> I, I love Star Wars in context of the time of you got three years to wait, and so this, when you when Luke shows up dressed in all black and returns a Jedi, you don't know. You and your brother might be nudging you in the theater, going, "Told you, told you." I think I've mentioned this before. He ordered the uh, the storybook like months mm. in advance, and it showed up at school. I don't know why I didn't have school. He called me from school because he read like the first act and then stopped himself. And he's, he's like, Luke Skywalker is a Jedi. <laughs> uh, that's he told fantastic. me over the phone. I was like, yeah, that's amazing. Anyway. That's fantastic. Oh, I love that. I love that. Spent a lot and- of time rooting for Luke in his <laughs> lightsaber twittering. As as you should. And all this to say, like, I don't think it wasn't that this one wasn't present. Some of the bigger themes around lightsabers weren't present even in Star Wars A New Hope when Kenobi's handing that blade over or Jedi. Just, yeah, it, the perspective of, of, the, of, of well, number one, you and I are kids, but of different era and how you take things in. I, I love how deep it is because it just makes so much sense. This yeah. is the weapon of a Jedi. This is uh, what you would uh, expect from what they mean. Yeah. And I just rewatched that Trials of the Dark Saber episode. Um, with uh, with Kanan teaching Sabine to use the dark saber, 
And, you know, that stuff about like, there's a bond with the Kyber crystal and, you know, the energy is kind of coming from you and you're, you're, it's directing through the Kyber crystal. It's all about directing energy and like, it's much more spiritual ideas are, are, it's so interesting. And I think all the modern storytelling of constructing or bleeding uh, lightsabers and finding Kybers all taps into that. So I I think there could be some great storytelling with it. A couple of places that I think it could pop up. I mean, I, in a way, I feel like maybe we've we've crossed that bridge with Grogu, but you never know. I got mm-hmm. an image of Grogu making a light whip, like the character from the High Republic, <laughs> from Nestor Rowe, or <laughs> Grogu making just some... Yeah, everybody had those jokes when Kylo's blade was first revealed of like, you know, uh, it ignites and there there's 18 different blades. Yeah. There's something about Grogu just makes like the most aggressive blade possible. Well, <laughs> that it cracks it, me up. With the, whatever version of Grogu, like the, the Grogu that... Eats frogs, steals eggs, and cookies. I don't know if I want him want him to have a light whip. <laughs> no. I want. Ow! Like, what are you doing? Yeah, the Grogu who who helps uh, cranky rancors take a nap. Uh, he he might be more responsible with light yes. whips. Um, yeah. Skeleton crew. I'm intrigued by just this kind of big quick picture question of will any of the kids be force sensitive? Is that something the show is interested mm-hmm. in exploring? Of what is it to be discovering? You know, you're a teen and you're kind of discovering you're force sensitive and you don't really know where to go or what to do with that. Um, that's a story that's been told a lot in Star Wars, so not necessarily in that era. Um, so that could be a place for it. But I think the biggest one is Ahsoka. Um, there was that footage that we were lucky to see at Star Wars Celebration that showed a flash of Professor Yang, I believe, uh, or a very similar robot, uh, the robot that is uh, very, very, very old and uh, helps younglings with uh, building their lightsabers after they've got their kyber crystals. So mm. it, it, I think... I think Filoni being obviously involved in the gathering arc has a real interest in that. He's been so invested in the meaning of Ahsoka's different blades. So the Mm. idea of her needing a new one, um, if she is, if Ahsoka and Sabine are indeed searching for Ezra, if Ezra needs a new one, if they find Ezra and he's like, great, I have, I've, I've been training five kids, you know? Um, I think there's a lot of interesting possibilities and the presence of Yang is really interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I'm gonna be honest. I actually totally forgot that. That's a great reminder. <laughs> Good mm. Yeah. So uh, I'll hold out hope, but I'll accept if it isn't there. Any final thoughts on this one? No, a lot to, lots of, not to, lots of processing things. This is a great question to start us off because so much yeah. to it. I was so focused on the light side. I was so focused on, on seeing somebody maybe in a different era without the guidance, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how do I get a Kyber crystal? How do I put this together? Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about the acolyte and there's a part of me that is like, I'm almost, uh, I'm equally excited to see the mm-hmm. bleeding ritual in, in live action storytelling. And I think that's something that could be in the acolyte. Uh, I mean, it is, it is visceral in the comics with Vader. It's, it's some of my favorite stuff from back in the day. So yeah, that could be good. Yeah, yeah, and in uh, Rise of Kylo Ren, that's great stuff. Uh, we're going to move on to our next question from Twitter and from Ross Squatch. Ross says, your crew talks about putting on a Star Wars property just to have something on in the background. What is a Disney-era non-movie product that you don't find yourself rewatching, even as background noise? Hashtag watch all, retain none. Uh, love the show, and thank you all for the hard work. Thank you, Ross, uh, for the fun question. I think we should, uh, we should start out with... Uh, with clarification, I think sometimes uh, we're all uh, very aligned, you and Jennifer and I, mm-hmm. uh, and then every once in a while there's something we're not as aligned on. You watch Star Wars for background stuff, right? Um, yeah. And and that uh, I almost I'm almost jealous. I would like to, but I can't. 
yeah. yeah, I get, I, I have a hard time. I've, I have friends who watch movies in the background and they're half having a conversation and they have to tune in for their favorite line. Just like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do that. I, I want to be all in when I'm watching something, uh, narrative, uh, every once in a while, like my wife is, you know, knitting and usually that's fine but every once in a while i'm like this isn't this isn't a knitting show i need my entire attention <laughs> so uh i struggle with background watching but but it but it's a thing for you uh, so i'd love to hear about it yeah no i i mean uh, yeah I, it, what's interesting the kind of reverse this is uh, only emerged recently is uh when it comes to like music and like just a playlist of songs or something like that i i used to be able to put that on and just have that in the background while i work uh now i can't uh, not just because I have a cheap plug music show, pop rock and radio on mix cooks. I'm picking out, <laughs> scouting out songs, but I find it really, I just can't concentrate on the two, uh, when I'm like writing or anything like I have to, that silent, but you know, so that's, that's interesting. Almost, almost the reverse. Uh, yeah, as far as just watching in the background, I think it's just such comfort. It's such, um, you know, I, I, I especially it's weird cause I came from a movie news kind of collider and screen junkies and schmoes and all that kind of stuff. And, I think people think it's it's a running bit with me, but I, I just don't sit down and watch a lot of movies and shows. I just I just really don't. So it's it's about comfort with me, and so it's like put on the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I might so I sometimes do sit and watch all four hours of a director's cut. Other times it's like great now I can do some work because Frodo's just doing his thing and I can check in. And it's like <laughs> a little comfort and familiarity. What I uh, you know it sounds sounds cheesy. I know this sounds cheesy, uh, but it's like hanging out with friends. Like Luke mm-hmm. Lay and Han are here. Chewie's here. I'm good. I can get my stuff done on Saturday. I think that's where it starts as far yeah. as that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think maybe the thing that I can relate to the most is I love listening to audio uh, to go to bed, in particular old radio shows. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of Doctor Who audios and like, yeah, I, I put on my friends. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I think there's a time in, in high school, I think 10th grade, I mostly fell asleep to a restaurant at the end of the universe. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, so I, yeah, I do that sometimes for audio, but there's something about this, the, the visual medium, uh, that's not the same for me, but I totally get that just that, that having your friends there with you kind of being immersed in uh, being, a, uh, having a world around you that is familiar and, and joyful. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as, so this question, uh, from Ross, uh, about what, uh, Disney or non-movie products. So I'm assuming that we're talking star Wars, right? I don't have the full Disney plus catalog to choose from here. Right. Um, that you don't find yourself rewatching. This is um gonna be weird. It's I don't rewatch the Last Jedi a lot anymore. Mm. Um, one I think it does work on some levels that it is uh, at times too deep to just have on the background. Where I am like you, I want to sit and take it in. Mm. I'm always convinced I've missed some corner of the theme i want to explore more right last jedi has continued to be very rewarding in terms of uh, life lessons and what it loves for star wars um but i uh, if i'm scrolling uh and i know we said not ross said non-movie product but i'm starting here because i'll scroll scroll and i'll scroll past it it's really weird uh, i found myself it's i haven't watched it in full in a little bit in a little bit so i'll start there yeah, I mean it's a, it's a heavy film. There there are moments of yes. of joy and fist pumping, but it is much like Empire. It is a yeah, learning your lessons and surviving is the victory. You know, mm. so it isn't a fist pumping. You know, let me watch that Ewok. You know, drum on those helmets. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why Rise of Skywalker is uh, is a movie I've absolutely. It's a background movie, but it's a movie I, I sit and watch from start to finish a lot, and I have trouble leaving that one on the background. Sometimes it's like, oh, I just want to. 
I just want to see, I just want to hear Bolio say win the war. I'll just put that on. And then you know, I've watched the whole movie. Uh, I think, yeah, a little bit. There's sometimes I'm like, ah, I want to see Tally Lynch and the A-Wings take, oh, that's a defeat. You know, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's pew, pew, ooh. Like it's, it's a, yeah, so there's a lot, a lot going on there. But as far as non-movie product, that's a tough one because it might be, looking at the shows, like, I don't know. I, I feel like, I almost feel like I'm slagging on the shows now, but like, Clone Wars, I don't have it on the background. I love Clone Wars Report going in, but I don't put those ones on a lot and just, I'll just have that going on. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered your question exactly, Ross, but that's where I go. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, for me, I have tried to have some Star Wars on the background in the Disney era. They have, uh, you know, on Disney Plus, they've released that Galaxy of Sounds, which is like the sort of the themed episodes. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. have the biomes where you just fly over. They have the vehicle fly throughs. I've tried to put those on in the background to have that just the the warm uh, blanket of Star Wars. Uh, mm -hmm. I've tried to put that on when I'm exercising in my living room, uh, you know, during the cycles where I've been writing a lot of those forward letters, uh, or sometimes I just need to clean the apartment. Uh, mm -hmm. But even those can, I end up sitting down like, what if I miss something while we're flying over Hoth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I'm obsessive. I really want to rewatch Obi-Wan. It's I, I want to rewatch Book of Boba Fett. I want to rewatch Mando season two. Yeah. Uh, I deeply, deeply want to rewatch Obi-Wan. But And I could just watch an episode a day at, at lunch, but mm -hmm. I haven't yet because I want to see what it's like if you watch it in a short, compacted time with mm -hmm. your entire whole focus. Um, right. So right. Obi-Wan is almost like the uh, total opposite end of what Ross is, is asking. Mm. I think for me, if the Star Wars that I that I definitely do want to rewatch, but I probably feel the least pull right now is Star Wars Resistance. Um, yeah, absolutely loved everything that it had to offer. It is beautiful. There are great Star Wars themes, um, but I think for me, it's like I I I wanted it to connect even more with the sequel trilogy. I, I just I wanted the show itself to to blossom into being sort of as tied to everything as the Clone Wars and, right. and Rebels are. And I think there's nothing about resist, resistance that I that I dislike. Resistance is exactly what it tells you is it is, it is, and it does it extremely well, and it's very enjoyable. But I think I have this little pang where, like, I mm -hmm. wish that the sequel era had that animated show that's that kind of perfect match, the way Clone Wars is for the prequels and Rebels is for the OT. I, I really agree with that. And as someone who really enjoyed uh, a lot of uh, what Resistance was doing and, and um, uh, was doing a rewatch of that too recently before we started the Clone Wars too. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I can feel that. I can get you. Dolza, Dance. Yeah. Dolza, Dolza gets you. But maybe I should put that on in the background because it is really fun and I do like the characters and it does look beautiful. So maybe I'll give Resistance a try. <laughs> I want to put one that I do watch uh, a lot in the background uh, and it's just as comfortable. It's Empire of Dreams. Mm. Uh, there's just some about it. I, I like, uh, I love docs and everything like that. And I love docs. There's a lot of documentaries and docuseries that don't use narrators anymore. And I, I get it. It's kind of the sign of the times and you can tell fascinating stories versus docu via documentaries without a, a narrator. But there's just something about hearing that guy's voice uh, saying 20, 20th century Fox and the way he, it's just comforting. And just hearing that story, Alan Ladd Jr., rest in peace, has the most unintentional ASMR voice in the history of the world. It's, he's just, it's just relaxing <laughs> to hear his story. And even though it's a story of Lucasfilm told through the eyes of Lucas and Lucasfilm, 
at times there's honest parts in there, but other times it's fascinating to hear, hear the different versions. Uh, the, the Han, I know stuff is not a hundred percent true to the doc's tale, but you kind of, you're there for it. It's fascinating. And I just love having that on. And I check in with that. I think about that one a lot. There's so many clips. I love her when somebody's interviewing Harrison Ford and asking him like what it meant of star Wars's success. And he, he rubs his hands together. He's like, great. Now we can get to work. <laughs> I love that. He's got that early 2000s Harrison haircut during it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that it's just endlessly fascinating that it is a, uh, a, a documentary made by Lucas. So some of the familiar conflicts that, that we're familiar with that definitely have a, a Lucas's take perspective, mm-hmm. but then also he's cast himself as Vader and it's like this victory lap where he's also like, it, it happened to me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the same way Anakin fell, I fell. But yeah. also, I'm really proud of this. It's, I mean, it's fascinating that a person would 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 choose yeah. Yeah. to do that and make that statement. You know, yeah, it's it, Empire Dreams is is uh, yeah one of my favorites. It's just uh, uh, yeah, I always do the Kasdan. I wanted Han to die. Her a lot of people do that one too. It's classic. And, but in and Irving Kirshner's, uh, I had smooching. That's all I had. That whole bit and <laughs> and, uh, and the tale. Then you find out the truth. The, the the more truer tale of the Han I know stuff. It, they cut Carrie out of that decision making, and she was rightfully pissed and confronted both of them. There's there's a lot more to it that's on tape uh, that didn't make this that, that doc, but that becomes the story. Mm. I just said action and, and Harrison go with what your instincts. That's, that's not exactly what happened, but it's the legend and it's what it is there. So it's fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, we could, we could, we'll have to do a full episode sometime on yeah. Empire dreams. Cause man, we love that. Anyway, look at us struggling Ross to, to tell you what, what we don't watch. Cause we, we watch we, it all. We watch it all. And then when we don't watch it, uh, we spend a bunch of time feeling bad that we aren't watching it. Uh, I guess that's why we do this podcast. All right. Any uh, final thoughts, Ken? No, I'm going to go watch Empire Dreams right now. And I'm going to go watch Resistance. It'll be great. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with our questions from our patrons on Patreon. Back in a moment. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we are back with more cues of the force. We're going to questions from our patrons on Patreon. We go first to Jay. Jay says, as a viewer of this space fantasy, we can easily take droid emotions like 3PO's anxiety or B2's depression as storytelling devices. But in the reality of Star Wars, what is the purpose of such extreme negativity in a droid? Programming them to be upbeat and cheerful seems the goal in a product designed to make sentient life easier. But why bake such harsh human psychology into a glorified vacuum? Is it a learned behavior, part of some mega processing chip designed to create a bond between the organic and the robotic? Even still, I can see a full return line at Droids Are Us of folks requesting a more boring model. Note, none of this is meant to be dis- disrespectful to droids. I love them. Just a thought experiment. Smiley face. Jay, thanks for the smiley face and uh, the droid investigation. This is a really, really fun uh, idea. And I think in, 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 I don't, I'm sure that there have been many stabs taken at it in many various lines here or there in, in books, comics, all sorts of things. I don't think there is any one like very clear agreed upon this is how droids get made this is why they have personalities Mm -hmm. Uh, big picture answer i'm sure there's lots of little (laughs) ideas i'm sure uh, pablo hidalgo has slipped many thoughts into various uh (laughs) small fonts of visual dictionaries but i kind of approach this is it's one of the fun questions of star wars i I want to start there ken do you feel like there is an answer or do you feel like this is one of those fun discussion points of Star Wars? In all my years of watching Star Wars, I don't feel as though I know that there is one answer and I kind of don't want there to be but this is a wonderful question. I've said before my relationship with droids has changed over the years and I think Jay's right that we do got a 3PO, that's his character, that's what he is and it's needed for the story but it's also very much uh, of the Star Wars saga so I think it's a fun, absolutely fun question to explore because I hadn't spent a lot of time on it. 
Yeah, no, I think it's a great question to, to explore. And I, and I agree, as viewers, you know, it, it can be storytelling devices. But I, but I also think it's, you know, there's this element of comedy to it, right? Um, because mm-hmm. anytime that we put human attributes onto something that is not human, there is an element of comedy, right? Uh, we, we feel that way with the animals, animal characters, like uh, Rocket Raccoon, right? We feel that with uh, Garfield, with, you know, if you put a uh, googly eyes on a melon and suddenly give it human properties, <laughs> there's this element of comedy because I think it's a, by separating it uh, from ourselves, mm-hmm. we can kind of look at our own foibles and go, why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> almost exactly what what uh, Jay is asking about the actual in yeah. in galaxy answers I think a lot of it is there for storytelling device but also to just sort of facilitate through this light touch of comedy this deep philosophical question of why are we like that why do we obsess on those things is it uh, learned behavior or is it baked into us is that just who I am or can I choose to have a better attitude today all those kind of stuff I think is is reflected in in that's what's charming about the droids from the beginning yeah yeah first, first of all I wanted to, I put a note down here what this this question is absolutely a pro hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy Marvin the paranoid Android <laughs> uh, absolutely I think Adams was playing not only the Star Wars of it all but just space robots in general uh, so fascinating uh, you and I thought of uh, I think we're in the, in the same ballpark where you know in terms of like how maybe there's official answers out there but why I I, I there's a little bit of this the looking at the mega processing chip that is uh possibly feeding off the world around it. You got the, the tech seems like it would is a little AI component to it. So there's a little bit of a learned behavior part where it made me think, and I, I think you were touching on some of the same stuff there. Perhaps it is our behaviors that are programming them. And these droids on a general scale <laughs> are mirrors. And maybe we need to look at ourselves to ask, ask why they're asking, uh, asking these questions and acting like this. Yeah, no, I think that's really, really great. And I think, um, I think that there is this big question of uh, of nature and in, in nurture, mm-hmm. um, particularly when in the era that I was going to college and, and taking a lot of uh, social sciences, that that term was was everywhere. And I think um, my my own opinion is that in in human reality, it's it's some of both. Uh, mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. some stuff is DNA. Some stuff is totally uh, our environment. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of think that's just. I, I think that's it with the droids too. You know, I think. Um, I think some of the emotions that we see uh, from droids that that make them funny, that make them charming, that make them feel real, anxiety, depression, anger, loneliness, they're kind of wrestling with them in the same way that the human characters are of like, right. they're, they're bad in abundance. They're bad if they're entirely limiting your choices, but they're also just reality, right? They exist mm-hmm. and they need to be, you know, dealt with. Um I like the idea that from a sort of a, a, a nature perspective of, you know, did somebody code 3PO to be just absolutely neurotic, you know? Yeah. I, I, I have the headcanon. I like the idea that they're, they're programmed for learning and adaptation. You, you, you want them to learn how to do their skills, right? Maybe, maybe the um, an emotion is baked in, you know, uh, but it can't be controlled. Like this idea that maybe, you know, I, I know that's kind of changed over the years of whether uh, Anakin built 3PO and now it's more he reassembled him. Mm-hmm. Um, where every 3PO's programming started out, right? That that somebody's like, well, a protocol droid is supposed to be very concerned about etiquette. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that clearly tipped over into 3PO is very, very, very concerned about etiquette and absolutely everything else. He's like, ah, I see. My programming is be concerned. (laughs) So I like the idea that it could start as a sensible programming idea, but then grow and adapt, you know, in this sort of Star Wars vision that, you know, uh, what is, what is, uh, organic and sentient, uh, can't be contained. Mm. No, I love that. Especially with 3B, that would make sense, right? Well, my, my, my job, my task is to worry about the rules. Worry, <laughs> exactly. Worry so, into me. Han, I have been programmed to despise Han Solo's approach to life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And just the way, you know, technology work in this galaxy far, far away, it just makes sense that even if uh, a Treadwell droid started out just thinking about ones and zeros, it's going to adapt and learn and, and, that's one of the things, you know, there's a lot of conversation to have maybe around L3 and how L3 came off and some of the decisions made. I understand that. And we, we've had those discussions and will again. But I personally love L3. Number one, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I think it's great to have her in Star Wars. But two, I told you, I, I was one of the ones who just kind of thought, yeah, R2's got a personality. 3PO's fun and kind of annoying. I don't buy a lot of figures of him. And uh, here's L3 to make me ask some questions about what I thought about that. <laughs> It was effective on me. And I, again, I know there bigger real world issues around all, some of the decisions. But um, I listened to L3 when L3 was talking because it just was interesting. It was a different, little bit of a different take for me of, of hey, you, you built us, you put us here. And then after that, maybe you can't control it as much as you think. And maybe you got to yeah. look at us differently. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I, and I think that there is almost like uh, Doug Adams pulls it out and makes it explicit, makes it a joke that, you mm-hmm. know, certain robots have just, you know, this devastating, you know, programming, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it's kind of in there in, in Star Wars that like whatever the intention was, they roll off the line with really different attitudes. Um, yeah. And so we see some characters sort of wrestle with the like, okay, if they, if they really are unique, if they really do have personalities and their personalities grow and change in response to their experiences, if we don't wipe them, um, that kind of leads us to an L3 perspective that mm-hmm. they aren't actually different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are, you know, uh, on some level, uh, luminous beings, I guess, uh, yeah. can get into that larger conversation. But I, I love that, uh, that Star Wars does spend some time with the, the nurture part of the equation of like, um, experiences change droids. And if you don't wipe them, that makes a difference, right? Like that, yeah. that said specifically about like, uh, R2 of just like, he, he hasn't, he hasn't been reset at all, you know? So these mm-hmm. are all his life experiences making him like that. Uh, we get the same vibe with Chopper. I think that's there with B2, you know, some of the, the, uh, droids with the most personality are the ones who've just seen a lot, experienced yeah. a lot. I don't think, I don't think, uh, B2 was as, you know, bummed out or needy when he was getting what he needed, which was to, uh, please, mm-hmm. uh, his family that he loved by hauling the bleep out of things. He did a great job. And right at the end of the day, it's like, you hauled the hell out of that B2. And he <laughs> went to his little charging bed for a much shorter time, proud of himself. And yeah. then things changed. Life changed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's going. He's going through a midlife crisis, right? I mean, totally. Yeah, love it. Love it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. So I think it, the the other part of this for me is like, yep. I think uh, there's a nature element where they come off the line with a little bit of a of 
maybe an intended personality, but it grows, it changes based on their experiences. And I think it's a really interesting question that Jay raises about, you know, emotional qualities, you know, positive, negative. Um, wouldn't you want a droid who's just got a really good attitude? Yeah. You know, I when, when I think about emotions we call negative, it's it's because what are they going to, what what are they going to lead us to? What are they going to stop us from doing that we want to do? Mm. Um, and I love that story with 3PO in particular, right? 3PO is this great source of comedy for being uh, incredibly true to his programming, concerned about everything. And then it's that question of, is that going to stop 3PO from doing what 3PO truly wants to do? And that's what's so beautiful about a story in Rise of Skywalker, right? Of like, yeah, he knows he has to do this. He, this is terrifying. This is the kind of thing that for years he's been yelling at other people to turn around and run away, right? Yeah. But he doesn't let that, his anxiety, <laughs> mm-hmm. stop him from making the choice that he truly wants to in Rise of Skywalker. And I feel like that's such a tribute to 3PO and to droids. I think it is. Look, in, in my many rewatches of Rise of Skywalker, which I've <laughs> recently, I, it, it's it's one of the things I, I will I will obviously defend that film uh, uh, on stand on that hill. But that Ray moment where she's like, you know, no one knows the 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 odds more than you. It's a beautiful moment for me as a Star Wars fan. This droid, his his whole existence, whether he's been you know rebooted and put new memories put in and wiped clean, all the stuff. Uh, to ha- you know, that's kind of a human thing, right? You're going to doubt yourself if everyone's been treating you a certain way, I think. And to have one person, even just one person, put a belief in you and say who you are is what we need right now. Oh, it's a powerful moment for 3PO and for us for 42 plus years at the time of the movie, living with this droid, who at times was annoying. At times was goldenrod that needed to be pulled along. Other times needed to be shut up. You got one person to say, yeah, no, no, no. You are the answer. You know, you've built for this and uh, I believe in you. I'm your friend. I think it's powerful. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the power of it is, is the respect that, you know, mm-hmm. actually listening to 3PO, but also like you, nobody's forcing this on you, 3PO. We are asking this, but we are also asking, you know, you know, the odds this, mm-hmm. we don't have another way to do this and you know that truth. So what do you want to choose? 3PO is, yeah. is such respect. And he could have said, <laughs> screw it. <laughs> it's been a good run. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. take me home to R2. Bob, uh, <laughs> would have laughed. Yeah, screw it. Yeah, it would have been. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. A couple of five. I, number one, you, t- you said Chopper. I, I, I would love young Chopper saves today. Some kind of one-off story of some fresh off the uh, assembly line <laughs> uh, pilot. Uh, who then goes through a lot. I mean, Chopper goes through everything. And I think that is a lot of what's uh, there between him and R2, just why they are who they are. They, they've they seen it all and they remember it all and they've adapted. Yeah, I forgot that great moment when we first visit uh, the Sindula family home and the Y-Wing that he crashed in during the Clone Wars is still there. And mm-hmm. Chopper's just staring at it. <laughs> and has to tell, I believe, Ezra, like, yeah, um, he's still got a lot of issues with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this poor little droid's living with trauma, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, it's serious stuff. It's fun stuff. It adds depth. To, so yeah, I'd love to see more of that. Uh, silly answer though. I also like the idea at some point one droid was too happy and that got annoying. And so the Droids RS company started re- reacting to customer reviews and made more anxiety-ridden depressed droids. Like, all right, this is what you want. This is what you get. You're going to get this. I- 
I, I think I'd rather have a droid who told me in the morning that they also had a bad night charging and their knee hurts also. <laughs> I think I would prefer that to a droid who's like, another great morning. Here's your coffee. I would lose my mind. Uh, again, go to Douglas Adams, those automatic doors that are like, hello, <laughs> welcome. Yeah, it. it is my pleasure to serve you today, yeah. right? <laughs> Uh, great, great stuff. Very fun uh, and deep question, Jay. Thank you so much. Move on to our final question from Robert Meadows. Did you ha- or did you have more droid thoughts? Oh no, we better wrap it up here. Uh, I'll talk about droids all day. Which, by the way, five years ago, I don't think I would have been like. Let me talk about droids all day. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, there's some rewards to digging in, right? And, and there's been great droid storytelling in the last few years. I think indeed. So we're moving on to our final question from Robert Meadows. Robert says, "Greetings, all." What do you think Qui-Gon would have thought of the Mortis gods? They offer a unique view of the Force and what true balance means. What say you? Ken, what say we? Let's start here uh, with, uh, I I think we can definitely discuss, you know, if if Qui-Gon, when he was uh, flesh and bone and still on this mortal plane of of Star Wars uh, before he became one with the Force, if he had discovered and gone to Mortis, what he would think of it. We can definitely have that conversation. But I want to start with the Qui-Gon spirit question of the Mortis arc. Mm. Uh, mm. So some of the visions that are seen in the Mortis arc are, are explicitly manipulations of the sun, uh, mm. of the character of the sun, right? Um, yep. Uh, uh, that's not really Shmi, right? Um, Qui-Gon, I think, is left open to interpretation, and we mm-hmm. have that line later in the Yoda arc where Yoda has been hearing Qui-Gon's voice and is worried about it and asks Anakin, didn't, didn't you and, uh, you know, Master Kenobi report that you saw Qui-Gon? And Anakin's like, yeah, but we just assumed that that was, you know, a, a vision born of, of Mortis because everybody knows Jedi and nobody talks to us from the beyond. So we assume that's what it was. So we, ha- we have Anakin's take. Which, you know, uh, part of which we know, uh, obviously, that uh, indeed uh, people can retain their identity and mm. talk to other people from beyond. But where do you land on your interpretation of Qui-Gon's spirit in Mortis? If that is truly Qui-Gon or if that is some representation mm. of Qui-Gon conjured by Mortis? I, I especially, and this includes the Obi-Wan Kenobi series now, but I think especially the, the thing you're highlighting later on in the Clone Wars show itself where the writing team and staff and Filoni and everyone kind of, the, the, the fact they even revisited it and not so shocking and it's Star Wars and, you know, it's uh, it's the lore and all that stuff. But the fact that it it's still like Yoda going, eh, hey, got a question about that. I, I lean towards there was an actual part of Qui-Gon there, that, that it was not played for tricks with Kenobi. It's been a little bit since the Clones Report, so I don't remember his exact words. I should have watched that again this morning. But nothing comes off false and tricksy, right? With Kenobi? No, there's nothing that I can remember that's false and tricksy. Uh, I think he's saying very sincere things about trying to guide Obi-Wan and trying to mm-hmm. guide Anakin. I think his presence is very much like f- future uh, yeah. Force spirits. And, and that personally is the way I lean, particularly because they're wrestling with it yeah. in that later yeah. Clone Wars arc with Yoda being like, this is impossible, right? And Anakin being like, yeah, it was outside of our scope of understanding, so we came up with this rationalization. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a half-true rationalization that, like, uh, obviously, Qui-Gon is not able to fully physically appear 
before Yoda. Um, mm-hmm. the, the clearly the recipient of a discussion with the Force Spirit needs to be in the right place, like we've seen demonstrated lots of places, but in the Kenobi show in particular. So I do think like the power of Mortis, its connection to the Force, it's it it being a, a wellspring, a virgence, uh, allowed Qui Gon to fully appear. Um, mm-hmm. But I do feel like it is Qui Gon. There's not because there isn't anything yeah. tricksy about it. And I got to tell you, I, I think at the time uh, when, when the Mortis arc aired in the years after, I think I, I think I just went the way of An- Anakin. I, we just it, uh, that was a lie. But then when you analyze it, like we we like we did, but I even even now, yeah, I don't. It definitely different energy than the Shmi vision, huh? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, and and Ahsoka sees her future self, which also which feels like you know not not more displaying tricks on her, but but you right. know that yeah. Mortis conjures visions, um, presences. Uh, maybe that's uh, Ahsoka from the world between worlds. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. And I, 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 like, like you said, it's been a little while since we covered it. Um, there might be a Filoni quote out there saying, uh, rubber stamp. Yes. No, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't remember, but, uh, but I like that idea. Okay. So mm-hmm. with that out of the way, let's imagine per Robert's question, uh, Qui-Gon's zipping around the galaxy, trying his best, uh, to be aware of the living force, um, what do you think his reaction to Mortis would be? Uh, here, here's what I wrote down. Oh my God. <laughs> I, and I think you would have been in tune with it. Look at those gods. <laughs> Look at those gods. Um, I think you would have been in tune with it very fast. Uh, even what Robert's saying here, it's you know what true balance means and this unique view of the force, but maybe more of a, I don't know, I don't want to say pure vision like this is the definitive version, but I think he would have been in tune with it. Right? The cosmic versus living, nighttime versus daytime, just what was going on on Mortis. You got the sun mm-hmm. and the but you know, you got these beautiful days and these devastating nights and, and they both existed in concert with each other. And, and the fact that there was just kind of no hangers by the father when it came to investigating the prophecy, um, Qui-Gon, his relationship to prophecies, Dooku's relationship to prophecies that changed over the years and the way it was kind of presented to younger Qui-Gon. Uh, I was refreshing my brain on some of the Raul, uh, Rail Avaros conversations uh, with the younger Qui-Gon going, what What do you mean Dooku doesn't like prophecies? He was all about that stuff. And it's just kind of Qui-Gon's relationship with that. And then you have the Jedi Order's relationship with that. And just the fact that you have the father going, hey, I heard about that prophecy and that kid. Is that, that all good? <laughs> I just think, you know, make it a general surface level kind of point here. But I, I think Qui-Gon would have been there for that and explored it. And I just think he just seems like the guy Qui-Gon was. Like, he would have been. Can you imagine Jin and the father, Qui-Gon Jin and the father having long walking talks? Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, was, he was someone, Qui-Gon strove to follow the living force. He, he's someone who used... Um, science midichlorians to confirm the spiritual about the prophecy of the chosen one and i think he just would have been mesmerized by what was going on there yeah no i'm totally with you uh omg look at this (laughs) virgins um (laughs) i i think uh, the word that that uh jumped out to me is validated right Mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. i think qui-gon is concerned that the that the Jedi are getting rigid in their decision making, but but that that is coming from a rigidity of view of mm-hmm. the Jedi ideal is to be in a state of questioning, and as you question things, you validate things that that are true, but are up for reexamination, reexamination, or some things that you held to be true and were clinging to are maybe 
maybe we need to look at that from a different perspective now as we've learned more. Like the mm. Jedi should be in in some amount of questioning, right? Yeah. Um, and I think Qui-Gon's in that place of like, I want to question uh, our deepest understanding of the Force. And I think he's coming to this idea of like, the 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 council has become rigid. They feel like they know everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mundi's answer to everything is no. <laughs> we know about that. Um, and then the you know Mace Windu just being like council said. Um, yeah. And Qui Gon, I think, being like there are so many aspects to the Force, so many ways to look at it, so many beings who interact with it. So discovering these ancient beings who who interacted with the Force so powerfully that their presence in the kind of uh, galaxies we understand it, it, it was was dangerous because they're so attuned with the force that they mm. uh, went here and, and became a part of this virgins, you know, which is kind of the backstory the father gives. I think I think mm. Qui Gon be like, see, and I yeah. bet there's a Bendu, and I bet there's a you know a, a blue <laughs> that understands the force in a way that we never could. That it's it, there's so much more. I think Qui Gon would be quoting yeah. uh, Luke Jedi, Luke from the trailer of Last Jedi. There's so much more, and this yeah. would be a validation of all of that. Yeah, that, that validation, justification for a lot of things he uh, was going through. I really love that angle too, uh, and that's what's fast. Qui Gon just continues to be one of the more fascinating characters, even as I get older. We said it on the show this week uh, on the news and cues, uh, or excuse me, this is the cues on the news. Um, I go to Qui Gon a lot more than I used to. In 99 and beyond, we're just like, teach me, Qui-Gon. What have you learned? Because you don't know the answers you're seeking. And I love that. And I think Mortis is about that. Yeah. And I think really, uh, to me, I know, you know, some people love the phrase great Jedi and and, and I get it's yeah. an, an intriguing concept, but I just, I love Qui-Gon from the perspective of like, no, I want to be very true to mm-hmm. the core ideas of the Jedi, which are to continue to question things with, with wanting to learn more, with wanting to understand more. And I think that's yeah. so what this is about. And yeah, if, if it was Qui-Gon, once he had encountered Anakin, I think the utter validation of like, oh yeah, no, he's totally the chosen one. This is real important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you'd like that a lot. Yeah, that Qui-Gon quote. It's funny, it's, it's now the lead quote on Wikipedia, on Qui-Gon's page. I don't think that was always there. I think it's important to Qui-Gon's existence, that quote that's uh, from Master and Apprentice. The, the, the turn towards the light quote. Oh yeah. It's so good. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's such pure Jedi, right. Of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not in a game to win some cosmic war. It's the, the light is, is mm-hmm. where we should go. So I turn to it because yeah. it's right in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then the sun would be like, but no. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Great stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I, I haven't finished uh Padawan back here. Snow White yet, but there's some great Qui-Gon stuff early in that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Any further thoughts on uh, on Qui Gon's mind being blown by the gods of Mortis? Look, what I love about this is is maybe we get an essay or something. One point of 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 the spirit of Qui Gon arriving on Mortis at some point would be interesting. Oh yeah, man! If we get uh, season two of Obi Wan Kenobi, that is just Obi Wan and Qui Gon chatting. <laughs> oh man, oh, that'd be amazing. Hey, hey, hey Qui Gon, I got a question for you. Yes, that was me. Okay. Okay. Was that was that you? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, thank you very much, Robert Meadows. That was a very fun question to explore. That's it for our questions, but we do have a power of the light side. Speaking of being like Qui-Gon and turning to the light simply because it is there and it is beautiful. That's what this power of the light side is about. We put out a call uh, to uh, patrons on Patreon to share something positive about Star Wars. Could be something, memory of seeing uh, Star Wars with a loved one. It could be a favorite toy or it could be how Star Wars has really helped you in a deep and important time in your moment. Our submission today is from Justin Jacobson. Justin says, for me, the power of the light side is in resisting the dark. Mm. I have never had a twin sons moment calling me off to some grand adventure, but my 30s and early 40s have been filled with times where giving into anger, resentment, bitterness, and frustration looked like a really good idea. It has given me a lot of empathy for characters like Maul, Dooku, Vader, and Kylo Ren, which in turn has opened me up to their stories as cautionary tales on why I shouldn't give in to those feelings. That is great, Justin. Uh, a literal uh, answer to power of the light side. What is the power? <laughs> what? Are, why are we uh, drawn to it? Why do we want to celebrate it? Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Ken? Uh, this is, uh, yeah, uh, look, I love this one. And, and I really focus in on Maul, Duke of Vader. Kylo Ren being cautionary tales. And I think they're very important to the story. And we see this a lot. Luthan Rail factors into this for me as well. Saw too. Mm. what's going on in Andor. And look, it's very personal. It's very real world. I, I think there's some real, um, there's a real place for anger. <laughs> there's a real place for righteous anger. Anger is a starting point. Anger to cause change. Anger to get the attention needed to cause change. And these are all conversations. And it's sometimes dangerous to make Star Wars so one-to-one to the world. Mm. Um, I think that could be just as, as bad as ignoring Star Wars in the lessons on the real world. But this is all personal, too. I think I'm someone who is in a privileged position to be a little less angry. So, therefore, I can look at a bigger picture. And this is maybe how you change some things. Other people aren't blessed uh, with that privilege, they are in the in the situation. They are in the darkness, and and that's a starting point. I just think Star Wars does want us to not stick there, and it's very easy. Resentment and bitterness are things I'm struggling along, with, and and those lead to frustration. Um, it's a sli- that Yoda sliding scale, <laughs> sliding down scale of everything leading. Uh, um, it continues to be one of my favorite quotes in Star Wars. And at the time, by the way, at the time, I think it was mocked a little bit in the prequels. At least sometimes some of my mm-hmm. circle. Mm-hmm. mocked um i think it's important stuff and i don't want anyone to confuse me that what you're what you're going on in your life doesn't mean um it, it my answers are right for you and i don't want anyone to toss away anger over anything that's gone away i just think you look at all these the mall the dukus the vaders the kylo rents all have reasons to be angry all have reasons to make some of the decisions um but I, it doesn't turn out <laughs> doesn't turn out the way it could uh, some, there's some redemption in there, Anakin and Ben Solo, um, but uh, it didn't have to necessarily be that way. Anyways, I'm getting deep into the real world one one on one stuff here, but it's all, it's been on my mind. I've had a lot of conversations. That's what I do love about Luthen Rail. Luthen Rail and his speech has been taken so many different ways by people, mm-hmm. and how you take it is how you take it. Uh, you and I take it maybe a little different than some of the other even friends of mine. Um, his speech is motivating some people. His speech is a cautionary tale to me. Uh, but uh, the point is, it's getting you thinking about what's going on inside your soul. And it's the other the other side of Star Wars. The dark side is there. It's always going to be there. And Star Wars has a lot of thoughts on how you deal with it. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Luthen's speech is so fascinating because, you know, it, it's not it's not done. It's it, it's a signpost on his journey. You no, know, no. It'd be one thing if he had ended up not making it out of season one. Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But that's I think that speech is going to really it is going to mature like a fine aged cheese. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's going to take on even more complexity as we see what Luthen's journey is and his own feelings about that speech. So, yeah, uh, li- a little Luthen side note is uh, is going to be more and more prevalent here on Four Center because such a fascinating mm-hmm. character. Um, I love what Justin is, is saying. I think in particular with characters like Maul and Dooku and Vader and Kylo Ren, um, it's so great to see the storytelling of seeing what's the wound, what what hurt them, and how much can we relate to, to the pain. Um, I think recently getting in uh, both the, you know, Dooku Jedi Lost, but in particular in the Tales of the Jedi to see, you know, Dooku personally wounded but also dooku wounded by the true injustice of the republic in the mm-hmm. jedi of to, to have this power and to feel chained from using it when somebody with wealth and political protection is doing something that they can maybe get away with under the law but is clearly immoral and painful and for dooku to be chained Mm-hmm. And to not do anything about it, it's got this this societal wound. But then there's also this wound of like, well, what's and what's the point of me? It's making me feel weak to just stand here mm-hmm. and, and just go. I'm I'm just an errand boy, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been thinking about that a lot because I think this is de- definitely Dooku Jedi Lost got into to some of this stuff, uh, you know, from from family and attachment perspective. But that's a real fresh look at some of the the wounds. And to me, it's all always important to to start there with these dark side characters and say, okay, if I can relate to why they're so angry, what, what's the point where they make a choice, right? Say, I can agree with that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how they respond to that anger. And I think, or, or that wound. And, and I think that's the story that, that Star Wars always wants to tell, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fear and anger are natural emotions and, uh, yeah. they can sometimes be productive and you need to wrestle with them. And I take the lesson of Star Wars is be careful that you don't act on them in a way that is only going to make things worse for others and worse for yourself because it feels good and right in the moment of mm-hmm. I have been hurt, so I will lash out. Mm-hmm. Um, I always relate to you know, the discussions of the dark side is it gives you focus because I feel that when I'm angry. I'm like, yes. Oh, it, that, now my body is a crystal. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know exactly what is wrong and I can express it exactly. And with energy, nothing held back in it. It feels great, right? Yeah. And it's always when I'm in those spots where if I don't stop myself, I go beyond that and I lash out and I hurt. Mm-hmm. Someone I don't want to hurt. I hurt physically something I don't want to hurt in my life, mm-hmm. which only hurts myself ultimately. Yeah. I, and I, 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 yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Please go ahead. I, I'm a breaker of things. I, I, that goes back to <laughs> in two or three, uh, which is a little, little DNA, little nature, little nurture, I've, uh, a little bit. And I, I, I uh, have to cop to that, you know, a little bit of uh, like, I am frustrated at this printer. Now this printer is out in the field and I'm office spacing it. You know, it's a little, <laughs> little bit of a, a thing. Um, I also, I want, you know, well said, sir, and what it is and, and, and um, 
I find myself, especially with the Luthan stuff, but especially Star Wars in the last couple of years, there's a lot of things uh, that could uh, upset all of us. I, I think I find myself, I don't, I don't know if it's defensive or just, I hear, I, I hear here's as simple as I, can, as I can say it. With the Dooku Tales of the Jedi stuff, loved it. You and I loved it. I've had some conversations off air with people who are like, it was so nice to finally get his point of view. And I'm like, whoa, that's not the end of the story. <laughs> Time out. We're not, we're not just going, ah, finally we understand why he was, you know, in terms of lore, maybe you do. But I, I, I think these are some folks who express it in that way of like, it was just that whole like empire point of view thing that we keep talking about that Andor kind of, I think one of the things I love about Andor is like rip that bandaid off the, the wound mm-hmm. of the empire and be like, oh, it's not just some, some dock workers on the Death Star who don't know what's going on. Um, so for, yeah, so, so I get a little like, Hey, 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 keep like, and I keep the story going and find it. And I love what you said about what, at what point on their journey did they do something that you go, aha, a bridge too far. And I think that's part of the the thing there. Cause I never, I never, especially with the world and cities that never want to take anyone's anger away from stuff that they've experienced or, or happy, uh, has happened to them. Um, and I don't think Star Wars is saying that too. It's just a complete journey. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it is, it's the nuance uh, in what continues to make Star Wars fascinating. I think it's the nuance of why Luthen's speech is fascinating, the empire and the tyranny that we're presented with in Andor, uh, you know, in my opinion, must be fought, right? Yes. Uh, so, like, it, that, that's why it becomes this question of, like, if there comes a point where th- there you, you feel like you have no other choice but to, you know, resist in some way, how do you do it without losing your soul? Because that's what happens to the Darksiders, right? Yeah. They don't lash out and go, ah, now, now finally somebody has heard my perspective. <laughs> mm. I've made somebody apologize. They lash out and they lash out and it becomes their entire life and, and it's not productive. They don't get any of the things they want, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's the story of Maul, Dooku, Vader, Kylo mm-hmm. Ren, you know? Uh, uh, they don't end up with the things they want. Anger doesn't event, you know, get them what they want in the end, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, for me, I think anger is natural. It, it's going to be there. I think just trying to deny it is not wise. It, it's mm-hmm. how do you express it and find a way out of it? And I think it can absolutely be used to crystallize an epiphany that something needs to change, right? But mm-hmm. how do you not live in misery? Is the, you, you Anger has opened the door and you're marching in the direction you need to, right? Uh, but then how do you not just live in that anger and perpetuate it everywhere you go? It's it's one of the important conversations around Anakin and the failure of the order, maybe even some of the shortcomings of of what how Kenobi dealt with him that the, the, that the saga still deals with. Of I've always, if he could have just talked to someone about being in love with Padme, could he have processed the attachments a little differently? Maybe you don't know, and it's space saga that's going a certain way. Needs to needs the characters to do decisions for the stories, but like you know what I mean. Like you look at it, I think that's a big thing I've taken away from the Clone Wars re, re, rewatch on their Clone Wars report. He, he had to keep it all inside, suppress it. And that only grew until the one evil wizard knew how to pull out that string. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, when Obi-Wan says, you know, I failed you. It's like, I knew, I knew you were wrestling with stuff with your past. I knew you were wrestling with feelings with, with Padme. And I, I just, I didn't find a way to help you too little, too late by the time he's in, mm-hmm. in the bedroom with the <laughs> yeah. pod racing poster going, you know, I had feelings for Satine and, and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that just, you know, hearing, hearing Justin's uh, great thoughts here, it was, uh, it was really, really healing, uh, for me, I had, um, you know, personal stuff that I'm not really at liberty to get into in the 
in the, at the end of the day, not a big deal, but I had like my worst brush with the dark side <laughs> in a long time this last week. Uh, I was telling Ken a little bit about it off air. Um, but it, it really made me think a lot about Star Wars because I think, uh, I think I had a, a legitimate reason to be angry. Mm-hmm. And then I also knew like, I know what long-term issues in myself that this is touching off. Um, I was able to express them. I was able to vent them. And then I still couldn't stop being angry. Mm. And I'd done everything valuable with anger. It, it had opened me up. It had communicated. I had pushed back against something that, that I think was unfair. And then I was like really aware of it. Cause we talk about this all the time. It's like in now, but now it's just really feeling good to swear <laughs> furious. And I, I couldn't, I, I was at that point was like, I can't stop. How, how am I, how am I going to stop? And it really had to just be like, okay, just let yourself be angry. Mm-hmm. Step away from any one or anything that you can hurt and just let it simmer. And eventually other parts of life came in, you know, went out in the world and got some things done, saw some things that made me happy. And slowly, slowly I finally calmed down, but I was at that exact point where like, it's it wouldn't it be good to just stay this way and keep lashing out mm-hmm. and i think that that to me is is the star wars story of it feels so tempting to stay in that place of of righteous fury mm-hmm. and then once you are in that place like we see all the dark siders do then they have to lie to themselves that they're still justified yeah in their actions right yeah because when when An- anakin has that moment of doubt when he what have I done when he takes out Mace Windu, right? And he pivots immediately to justification of like, yep, you're right. Uh, I agree with you, uh, Palpatine. Uh, uh, the Jedi are going to kill all the senators. Yep, I agree. So I have to wipe them out first. He, he yeah. pivots immediately towards <laughs> obviously BS justifications for the choice he's made, you know? And I think that's the kind of danger when you, when you, anger feels good and you lead into it and you kind of know I'm not doing anything good but you start to make up justifications for why it is okay mm. that you're staying in that place of anger. Quicker, easier, more seductive. <laughs> That's a shorter way. Yeah, but is, yeah. isn't this how powerful those words are in 1980? Just still ring out true in Star Wars? It is, man. And I, you know, you and I talk about that. Uh, you know, I did I did a joke a sketch a long time ago called The Power of the Funny where it was just combining Star Wars stuff with comedy stuff. And, you know, mm. is that was, that's what, I've thought about comedy that way for a long time. You know, there's some jokes that are not great, but you get a big laugh quicker, easier. (laughs) Seductive. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, So thank you, Justin. Uh, Help. Thank you for helping me uh, reflect on my experiences this week in the value of turning to the light side. Any final thoughts, Ken? No, I love it. Thanks, Justin. Look, let's be honest. uh, We, over the years have received a lot of nice messages and support from people out there who express what we talking about what you know our journey talking about star wars and celebrate star wars what it means for you but it's also a, a reminder that this is a, a we uh, we're a community here and a lot of times you guys ask questions that, that hit us right where we need to as uh, real life people not just star wars fans yeah yeah and I, I also think that's good for us to to touch base we get uh comments about being a uh, positive podcast and in a supportive podcast and that we want to that's a choice we are turning towards the light but we are humans <laughs> uh with many emotions from grumpy to anger and we want to be honest that those are there too indeed 
All right, that is our show. We had a great Power of the Light side. We had some great cues. Ken, where can people find us? Well, speaking of that community, you can connect with us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. At the time of this recording, Hive Social's still down somewhere, but we are on there at Force Center. Do you find us if it gets back up? Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram as well. And uh, YouTube, as we t- set up top of the show, love to have you subscribe and join that community there. Podcast is available a lot of different spots. Just search, we'll find us. But we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center, patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Fortunes where you can support us directly. I say that so many times you'd think I wouldn't stumble. And you can uh, find me at Ken Napsock and go to my website, KenNapsock.com for more. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media, Instagram, TikTok are great options. Uh, I'm on Mastodon. I'm on Hive. Uh, as of this recording, I'm on Twitter, but we'll see. You can also find me on my YouTube channel. Just search for Joseph Scrimshaw. Or if you want to be real old school, you could go to my website uh, at josephscrimshaw.com. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for C-3PO's anxiety, this has been Cues of the Force. Cues of the Force.